I'm Hemant Mehta. And I'm Jessica Blumke. And you're listening to the podcast for FriendlyAtheist.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Be Secular. Be free to love. Be able to choose. Be accepted no matter your race, gender, sexual orientation, or belief system. Be Secular. Be Secular merchandise allows you to display your support for equality and the separation of church and state while also donating up to 50% of the profit from your purchase to nonprofits, groups, and artists that support those same values. Go to www.besecular.com, pick your item, and then choose who you want to get a donation from your sale. Listeners of this podcast will get a 10% discount if they use the promo code FRIENDLY. Make a statement. Be you. Be secular. Liz Cavell graduated from Tulane University Law School in 2009 and worked for a while as a deputy public defender in Southern Colorado. She currently works as a staff attorney with the Freedom From Religion Foundation. Liz, thanks for joining us today. Hi, it's great to be here. So we see FFRF in the news all the time because you guys are fighting legal battles, First Amendment cases all the time. How busy are all of you in this office? Because I'm it. Every time I read articles, I'm like, there has to be there there has to be like a hundred of you. <laughs> yeah, we wish. Um, it's it's crazy busy, and it's getting busier every year. And I'm one of five staff attorneys at FFRF, and I actually handle all of the intake for the legal department. So everybody that wants to report a complaint or a violation to FFRF sends that through me and I evaluate reports and then decide what we may or may not be able to act on. So I probably uh, talk to or correspond with between 2,500 and 3,000 people every year. Wow. um, Who are just contacting us to report something. And we do probably send out an average of a thousand letters a year to different government entities about um, what we perceive to be violations. So, um, and it's getting heavier and every heavier every year. And we've added staff every year. So, but there's only five attorneys right now, including yourself. That's right. Yeah, that's five. crazy. How many? When people call you up and say, "Hey, this is going on in my neck of the woods. Is this a problem? Can FFRF help with this?" How like do you have a percentage where you're like yeah we'll take a look at it versus uh, no this isn't really a this isn't an issue? Yeah, I mean uh, it's hard for me to say a percentage of what we do. I mean, you, I kind of gave you some rough numbers. So if we're hearing from twenty five hundred people a year and we're sending out like a thousand letters, but yeah. we can get a fair amount of complaints that just um, aren't quite state church violations, but you know people are perceiving to be. Um, or they don't involve government entities, but people are confused. Uh, right. and then like my Catholic school things. is teaching Catholicism to my kids. Like, eh, that's <laughs> right, not a problem. Right, right. My aunt wore a crossover to my house. <laughs> Make her stop. Yeah. Uh, and then just religion in public, where I think people are confused. Like, oh. you know, um, the, the grocery store I shop at plays Christian music over the intercom, and I hate it. And, you know, <laughs> consumer complaints and stuff like that. Um, so, but we do get tons of actionable complaints. I mean, a lot of times we, we can't get enough information from our complainants to move forward. Um, but for the most part, you know, people are ready to do some digging and, and tell us what we need to know. And as you know, Hammond, there are tons of violations going on everywhere. Yeah. Cause I report on some of them <laughs> from my site and I'm not even touching a fraction of them. I know it. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
what would you say are the, is the most common complaint you get? Like, because I feel like I hear on, you know, on our blog, a lot of like city councils want to pray. I feel like that's even a after lot Greece of it. v. Galloway. Yeah. Right. Is that, is that a common yeah. one? Yeah. Right. That's a tough one. And yeah, that's hugely popular. I mean, that's one of the most common complaints we've heard over the years. And of course, recently we've gotten less complaints about it because uh, obviously, um, People are starting to understand that the law is really bad and the case law has gotten worse. But by far, I would say the number one thing, um, general topic that we field complaints in are religion in public schools. Um, and that can be broken down into a lot of subcategories, but generally just public schools and religion is by far um, the biggest complaint we hear all year. So things like Pledge of Allegiance cases, religious assemblies in mm-hmm. schools, or like a football yep. coach, things like that? You name it. So prayer at prayer at school-sponsored events, um, so prayer opening assemblies and prayer opening, you know, official school-sponsored events like sports banquets and football games and graduation ceremonies. And then, um, you know, down to uh, faculty religion in the classroom, proselytizing teachers, teachers who don't understand that they can't, you know, pray with their kindergartners before lunch and that sort of thing. Um, and of course, a lot of coaches uh, leading students in prayer. Mm-hmm. Something about football and religion is a big <laughs> problem. You know what? I literally just now realized that when I was in fourth grade, I had a teacher who proselyti- proselytized, proselytized me to me. She said, hey! I, I, I don't know how I've buried that memory for the last <laughs> 20 years. It's been I, repressed for this long right, and now it's coming back up. I remember very specifically her saying to say th- to look around nature and say there's no God would be like having a gourmet dinner and saying there's no chef. And I was in fourth grade and was like, wow. come on. <laughs> Yeah, that's a perfect example of something that's totally inappropriate in a public school classroom. And that's the scary thing, too, is, you know, we're hearing about a certain, a a huge number of things. And that's just the things that kids know to tell their parents and parents. Right. These are just the people contacting you. Sure. Right. So just, I mean, just imagine, like, what's going on in classrooms everywhere that we don't know about. So it's good that we get to be so active in schools because... You know, we get to fire a lot of warning shots. and mm-hmm. Right. When you have a couple thousand complaints coming in per year, does anything surprise you anymore? Or have you seen it all by now? <laughs> um, that's a great question. You know, it's funny. There's so much repetition. And so we are kind of so cynical at times. But mm-hmm. I have to say, there's probably something every week or every couple of weeks that still knocks our socks off. <laughs> If you hear the same complaint over and over, do you just, like, send the same letter with just a different mailing address? <laughs> well, I, I, write cover much, letters. I mean, we have some seriously uh, re- repetitious complaints that we do use the same types of template letters. I mean, the legal argument is exactly the same in a lot of circumstances. Right. So mm-hmm. we do just kind of tweak the facts. And then sometimes, oftentimes, there are very unique situations that require a special touch. It's always fun to write those letters. Yeah. So how frequently, so you send a thousand letters out a year. How frequently does, like you, I, I assume usually when somebody gets a letter, they're like, oops, so, sorry. I made a mistake. I made a mistake. Or they don't know, or, you know, they just are ignorant of how law works. But how often do you have to pursue legal action? Yeah, so remarkably, we don't have to, or we don't end up 
filing a lot of lawsuits compared to the number of complaints we send out, although we do have a lot of lawsuits. I think we have 12 or 13 ongoing right now, wow. um, which is the most in FFRS history and, you know, more and more kind of in the pipeline as we um, expand our resources. But um, it kind of just depends, and unfortunately... Um, a lot of stars have to align in order for us to be able to sue, even when we're not getting the compliance that we want. Like we have to have a plaintiff, which you guys know is um, a, a huge problem and a, a difficult thing, um, sure. getting somebody to come forward. And, yeah, it requires and bravery and standing and all the legal stuff you need to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. And and really the the just the, the courage and not to not to say that it's any easy thing because these people are in communities where I mean they have a lot to lose and right. the mob is a really serious consideration and sometimes it's just not worth it. So how do you all... and we also need oh I'm sorry Hannah no, we ahead. also need local counsel. Mm-hmm. Um so we need an attorney who's in that state and in that area that can uh liaise with our attorneys because we need to file lawsuits where the action is happening. So a lot of stars have to align for us to be able to sue, but there's definitely no shortage of uh, people to sue. (laughs) (laughs) How do you guys, uh, if there's five uh, staff attorneys, how do you all divvy up all these different cases? Is there someone whose job it is to, like, you're on the war on Christmas beat and you're on (laughs) city councils? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so Rebecca Marker, who I'm sure you know, who's been at FFRS for years, I suppose it's been since our legal department was formed in like 2008. So uh, she's our senior staff attorney, and she um, divides up the workload amongst our attorneys, especially as we increase staff and as we kind of move to other responsibilities. So the way we do it now is pretty much by subject area. So... Um, I handle complaints that have to do with civil rights violations. So all those church bulletin discounts that you write about and uh, discounts for Christian groups and church groups, um, any letters that come in anywhere about that, I would handle. Uh, Andrew Seidel handles complaints about chaplains, any chaplain program anywhere. And then when it comes to the really fun stuff, we share huh. all the work. So, <laughs> so all of you uh, handle the war on Christmas beats. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we all, we divvy up the war on Christmas by federal circuit. We divvy up schools by circuit. So we all get to work on the really big stuff. I can't wait. War on Christmas is coming again. It's I know. my favorite time oh, of year. Right around the corner. I can't oh. tell, I, I can't tell if the people in the FFRF offices are thinking what Jessica just said, like, <laughs> yes, this is the good, this is the stuff the media loves. Or if they're saying, crap, I got a lot of work. It's like, like tax workload. season for them. Yeah, it's like tax season for, for accountants or something. It's like, oh, I'm going to have a pile of stuff I got to do now. Exactly. It's a little bit of both, I think. I mean, by far, it is our busiest time of year because it could Christmas and the holidays also kind of converges with, um, you know, the end of the school semester and a lot of school violations that sort of tend to coincide with the holidays. And then, of course, there's the war on Christmas. So nativities in uh, on public property and just general Christmas mania everywhere in government. And so 
there's just an awful lot of work. So it is a crazy, hectic time, but it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's so much fun. You know how the media (laughs) frenzy, the media frenzy is really fun to just jump into and have fun with. And we get a lot of great victories and we get a lot of um, publicity and, you know, we get to really fill our membership and get out there and, and I should, get a lot done. I should say, you know, we're joking about this and stuff, but it, it's it's a very serious issue that this happens so much and people put so much attention on it. Say with a smile on your face. Yeah. It's to, very serious. To have to deal with this stuff over and over, yeah. it's kind of, I'm sure it's frustrating, it's annoying, but it's like, well, hey, if this gets our name out in the public, that's great. Right. But we wish we didn't have to fight these battles at all because you should all know right. better. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, right, we always kind of joke that, like, ideally, our goal is to, like, work ourselves out of existence, <laughs> but but that's really the, the truth. I mean, really, if there is perfect neutrality in all government and public schools, religious neutrality, uh, we wouldn't need to be around and we wouldn't be busy. So, I mean, we're, we don't seem to be anywhere near that day, but uh, it can be really, really frustrating, and I, all I can say is, we have enough victories and good outcomes that kind of keep us going. And, you know, it's always one big blow, one bad Supreme Court case, followed by, you know, a couple of good outcomes mm-hmm. in different circuits and some good victories in the schools. And so we're still going. Is it like, is it a particularly stressful job or is it just one of those like, just move your nativity scene? Like, why are you being an idiot about this? Or do you, do you get, do you like take it home with you? Is it really stressful for you or is it easy to kind of look at it in big picture of like this guy's just being dumb about the nativity scene (laughs) yeah i mean i think it's a great job of course right because most most everybody i mean everybody i work with um is really passionate is having a lot of fun i mean as for a lawyer at least the, the legal staff i mean it's not it's not so easy to get a job in constitutional law. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not easy to get a job at a nonprofit. That's a really, a really fun culture and atmosphere. And so we all really have a great time. I mean, it can be really stressful, just like a lot of nonprofit work. I mean, we have low resources and loads of work. And so we're always, you know, working with limited resources, but, um, yeah, I mean, for me and a lot of my colleagues, you know, we're atheists and, and good regular people. And so this is a really important issue for us. It feels good to be able to do that at work. Do you ever find you're kind of empathetic? Like, you know, it's a little town and, you know, they've had their little nativity scene up on their the front lawn of the wherever they city put their hall. city hall. Thank you. Like, do you ever feel <laughs> empathetic or are you always just like, come on, dude, like, just move it? 20 feet to the right, and you're fine. <laughs> Do you feel bad for the Christians who really want their nativity seen on public property? <laughs> um, I mean, it's a reasonable question, right? Because, I mean, sometimes, I don't know how if I would say empathetic, but I certainly understand why it can be very hard for people in these communities to grasp, you know, what the issues are, because, you know, you hear the same arguments over and over, and I get I personally get so sick of them that sure. it's just eye roll, but but it's true. I mean, we're we're an outside organization, and if they've been doing something the same way for 25 years, it's very hard, no matter what, no matter what the law is, to say, hey, you've been getting away with this 
but you can't get away with it anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of human nature to just be defensive about that. And I, I understand that. I don't care, but I understand. <laughs> Do you do you think it's kind of indicative of the fact that there is very little actual real Christian um, persecution in this country? That like the thing that they that really revs their Evan that I can't talk today <laughs> that revs their engine is the fact that like I can't have this thing where I want this thing. Like, do you think the like fact John that, Stewart said you're complaining like the war on Christmas with like never are not always getting your way? Right, exactly. Like it's not persecution, <laughs> right? Well, it is. It's kind of, it it, it has, and you guys, uh, obviously, everyone can see this. I mean, it's kind of this new, weird uh, kind of co-opting of the concept of persecution to really just mean continued privilege, right? Like, I I have this this built-in institutional privilege, Mm -hmm. and I expect that privilege to continue. Right. And when it doesn't continue... I'm persecuted. I mean, which is ridiculous, but has become this very common, warped way of talking about, you know, removing religion from co- from government. It's crafty. Um, it's very hard to to talk around that. But um, of course, it's it's absurd. I mean, neutrality. Obviously, I'm preaching to the choir, but neutrality <laughs> has nothing to do with persecution. I mean, the absence of all religion is not the promotion of atheism, and that's mm-hmm. the hardest thing to really convince people of. Well, and it's crazy that they're like, oh, Christians are, you know, under attack in this country when literally every president ever has been some kind of Christian. And <laughs> it just seems... In- yeah, it's very hard crazy. to be overrepresented. Well, there was a study that came out not too long ago from when we're taping this that they asked people, uh, do you feel like these groups are uh, discriminated against? Mm -hmm. And I think gays and lesbians was at the top of the list with like 60 to 70 percent of people felt they were being discriminated against. Atheists were at 27 percent. Only 27 percent felt atheists were discriminated against. Evangelical Christians 31 percent. Well, <laughs> more people thought evangelicals had it harder in this country than Christian atheists. Was that self-reporting like I'm talking on behalf of atheists and no, I think this is in general. Like, do you think this group is discriminated <laughs> really? against this one? Yeah, this is in general. It's absurd. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> I, I think it's scary, but I think that's a real sort of illustration of how successful that rhetoric has been. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's been a very sort of successful spin campaign about what it means to be Christian in this country and what what secularism and separation of, of church and state means and what it looks like. I mean, it's so scary because it works and people buy it. Yeah, like I... Any of us would have would struggle greatly running for any kind of public office just on the merit of us being atheists. But this podcast is going to come back to haunt us, is what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> it's too late, Emma. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Jessica Blumke, Hemant Meta, 2020, <laughs> gone, <laughs> never happening. Um, but yeah, but yet it's the Christians who have they it have hard it out so there. Hard, yeah. It's rough. Do you ever do you? Uh, Liz, do you ever speak with your cultural opponents? And by that, I mean, do you ever speak with, like, attorneys from the Alliance Defense Fund or the ACLJ, uh, whatever that Christian version is? It's the Christian version of the ACLU or something. What does J stand for? Uh, I don't know. 
justice? Okay, I'm sure it does, yeah. Okay. Um, but, like, do you ever speak Dr. to their attorneys? Because they're pretty much doing the same thing you're doing, but on the other side. And I don't really understand what their arguments are, per se, but do you ever talk yeah, to them? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, as far as do we do we speak to them frequently, I mean, we I guess we try not to. Um, they are our opponents in a lot of these cases, and so we do find ourselves sparring and uh sending each other strongly worded letters. But, uh, <laughs> I want to see these email threads. <laughs> Passive-aggressive legalese. <laughs> um, the way it usually happens is um, we're, we're contacting, generally, government entities directly, mm-hmm. and we're putting them on notice about their illegal conduct. And then once our you know complaints get a lot of media attention, all of a sudden one of these legal groups swoops in, uh, and they've donated or they've, you know, offered their pro bono services to the city of blah, blah, or, you know, or the school district, X, Y, Z. Um, and so it usually happens after we've already been corresponding with, with the government entity. And so uh, there's not a real need to correspond with those groups unless litigation actually starts and we find ourselves having to deal with them. And it's not really, when they say, you know, if these Christian groups say to a a city council, like, we'll defend you all pro bono, Mm -hmm. it's not really pro bono, is it? Right, I know, we try and convince, especially school districts, poor school districts, um, we try to convince school districts of this very often because we'll send them a complaint or a letter explaining something truly illegal, um, you know, the, a great example was, and I'm sure you followed this uh, last, I guess it was early last year, uh, Jackson, Ohio, the Jesus painting that was displayed mm-hmm. in a school yeah. in Jackson, Ohio. Yeah. Just a giant was, painting of Jesus in the school. <laughs> right. P- public school. Clear yeah. violation. Yeah. Granted, they'd gotten away with it for a very long time, and so it was a hard pill to swallow. But, I mean, case law directly on point in the Sixth Circuit where they're located. I mean, that was a loser from the beginning for the, that school district. And when that got a lot of media attention and there was, you know, public outcry and the mob showed up to the school board meeting, uh, one of these groups, I think it was Liberty Institute in that case, uh, kind of got into the media fray and offered their services pro bono to the school district and they're going to fight tooth and nail. And they, you know, the school district did it and they fought that case. We had to sue them. <laughs> For the removal of that painting, we litigated that for a year, and they ended up settling and taking it down and paying ACLU and FFRF attorneys fees. So, and those attorneys means- fees are coming out of the school district's budget, right. which is taxpayer money, right? And it's exactly. not like the Christian group is covering that for them. Exactly. So they're they're not they're not charging their they're not charging the school district legal fees of their own. But if the school district loses, they're on the hook for fees, and and they're going to lose in that <laughs> these damages. cases. Yeah, yeah. You and sound so, so regretful of that having having to happen. You're just like they had to do this, is, and this terrible. is what happened. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you don't want taxpayers' money. <laughs> no, it's terrible. I mean, it's it's awful. And of course, we're corresponding for months with the school district, basically just saying come on, you really need to comply. I mean... Yeah, it's not like you're trying to take their money. No. You're going to lose this case. Save your money. (laughs) Just do the right thing. Buy some books. And you have these Christian groups saying, no, let's fight. And it's like, the the loser are the the schools and the students. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that's the thing. I mean, it's a (laughs) lose-lose. And the problem is, too, 
not only is it the offering pro bono legal services that's misleading, it's misleading to swoop in and suggest that they've got a, you know, they've got a fighting case. I mean, and a lot of times these cases that get a lot of media attention that these legal groups want to attach themselves to so that they can fundraise on it, uh, they're losers. I mean, and it's wrong. I mean, it's wrong to... Do the Christian groups suggest that they can fight? Right. Do the Christian groups swooping in at this point? Do they know these cases are losers? Some of these are not ambiguous. Some of these, like you're saying, like a giant Jesus painting, that's clear cut. And you would think yeah. Liberty Institute or whatever mm-hmm. would look at that and say, "Yeah, this is we're not going to win no matter what we do here. Maybe we can fundraise off of it, yeah, but yeah. we're not going to legally sure, win this case." Do they know that, or do they genuinely believe the court's going to side with them? <laughs> I mean, gee, I don't know. I, <laughs> I guess I can only speculate. It's not, uh, it, in terms of like, there are tons of times when we complain and it's in a legal gray area. And FFRS position is that it's a violation, but by no means is it clear what a court would do. And painting. generally, we're not taking lawsuits in that gray area, right? Like, right. <laughs> so. In a case like, for example, Jackson, Ohio, with the Jesus painting on the wall, I mean, they had some theories that they tried to work with in terms of, you know, whether or not it was a forum and, you know, the general uh, kind of places where you can run to when you've got a religious display. But for the most part, it was a pretty clear-cut legal analysis in terms of what what a court would do. And so that's that's a perfect example of, I can't imagine that different lawyers would see this differently. I just, I can't imagine that. <laughs> Let me ask you, uh, when you guys get these cases and you divvy them up amongst the lawyers, um, I, I realize that, you know, if it's a city council case or a war on Christmas case, you've probably seen the issue before. You know what the case law is. And when you're writing these letters, you can kind of say like, hey, attorney over here, uh, here's the issue. You just go ahead and write the letter and there's nothing really to do. What's the research process like if it is something that is not one you've seen before? Like what what do you guys do if you come across a case, you've never seen it before and you got to write a letter of complaints? Uh, what's the research? What do you do? Who do you go to or talk to? Yeah, that's a great question. So we do have a lot of um, it does happen. I mean, we like I said, we get so much repetition, but every now and then and it's pretty often we get something that that stumps me if it comes through me first and I'm like, wow, I'm stumped. And we have a lot of institutional knowledge at our office. So usually we're brainstorming amongst the five of us and seeing, and sometimes Dan and Annie Laurie who have been doing this forever. And they're the co-presidents. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Dan and Annie Laurie, the co-presidents of our organization, they've been doing this since the seventies. And so uh, they've seen a lot. And so they have a lot of good examples, but Generally, if we're all stumped and it's something we really need to research the legality of, we're just doing typical lawyer stuff. So we're on Westlaw, we're searching um, federal cases to see whether or not a court's ever dealt with what we're looking at and, mm-hmm. and where we stand. And so it's it's fun. It's it's like, you know, it's it's research. It's kind of doing a little investigation trail and figuring out, what the law is and sometimes there's a great case you don't know about and sometimes there's a terrible case you don't know about. Is it has that uh, ever happened where you did that research and you came across a case where you're like, wow, if this is the precedent, then we're gonna lose because this is what that's not what happened last time. And is if that happened, would you ever say, Well, you know what, 
even though we think we're right here, we're going to lose. Let's not pursue it. Yeah, that that has happened, of course. I mean, there are some areas, as you know, of establishment clause, uh, case law, jurisprudence that uh, are are terrible. They're unfavorable to our position, and and we come across that, and we kind of do one of two things. We 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 realize, okay, we can't really make a legal complaint here because the law is not on our side. So is it something that really speaks to our the policy purpose of our organization? Like, mm-hmm. is it worth it to really get our voice out there and just send a policy letter, right? It's not going to, it's coming from Dan and Andy Laurie and the organization, but it's not a legal complaint because, you know, we have no legal threats to make. Mm-hmm. So we're just sending a policy letter that says, hey, we represent thousands and thousands of atheists and agnostics and what you're doing is really offensive to us and here's why and here's why you should care. Mm. That's interesting. Yeah. Is there... Which is not a legal threat, but it's sure. still important sometimes. Just to get your message out sure. there. Sure. Yeah, I never thought of that. Um, is there any particular kind of lawsuit or policy that, that you have a hard time conveying to the public at large? Like you, like, I mean, I guess maybe even Jesus the... in a public school, that's pretty easy to tell right. people like, yeah, you can't really do that. Is there anyone that's hard? Yeah, I mean, I guess even the nativity scene, people yeah. are like, what's a big deal? It's a nativity scene. They made movies about that. That's my Fox News voice. I like that. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what, it, what our heart, I mean, we have so much... There's so much that we do that's really hard to sell. I, I don't know what's our hardest sell. I guess, um, oh, geez. But I really spot, don't sorry. Know. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I think people have a hard time understanding our position on a lot of our, our lawsuits. I mean, sometimes it's really clear cut, and I think people tend to be more understanding of where the boundaries are, like in public schools. But then again, Sometimes I'm really surprised by the public reaction to our our public school complaints that we think are so clear cut and that, you know, people just are really having a hard time understanding our position. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a very serious question, which is that you guys are tackling a very serious topic, something that obviously rubs a lot of Christians the wrong way. Do you all receive any like death threats, nasty phone calls? I don't know how bad it gets. Uh, but does that happen, and are you all worried about that at all? Yeah, that is a great question, and yeah, that does happen. I, I don't know if you guys deal with this, but we deal with it absolutely all the time, and uh, I'm on intake, so all the emails that come to the legal department come to me, so I see a whole mess of prank email and just nasty email, and sometimes we do get um, threatening emails and phone calls. It doesn't happen every single day, but... It happens very often, and especially when we've got a big complaint that's blowing up in the media, we get a lot of threats and threatening calls. And it can be scary. You know, sometimes we're out there on, you know, doing news interviews and TV interviews. And so sometimes people are calling and they're they're saying by name, you know, Liz Cavell, you know, Liz Cavell should die and Liz Mm. Cavell this. and, And so that can be really, really scary. Have you ever gotten threats yeah. from it? I don't get that many. Um, I've gotten occasional ones, but nothing I've ever felt uh, like I need to call someone about. Yeah. Um, yeah. I imagine you're be... friendly. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the running lie. 
<laughs> that's that's what we tell people. I get plenty of I do get plenty of emails from people saying you're not really friendly because uh, they don't like something I wrote. But but I haven't gotten any threats, and I don't. I'm sure. By the yeah. way, I mean. I realize that, you know, if I was a woman, I probably very well would. Mm -hmm. And I imagine if I was uh, spearheading, not reporting on these issues, but actually spearheading it like you guys are at FFRF, it would definitely make me more vulnerable to all Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, we do, whenever we get something that's a a bona fide threat, we do um, report that to the police. When we get threats by mail or threats of things by mail, we have even involved the FBI, and they've, they've really taken our threats seriously, uh, local police and um, even the local FBI office when there have been really serious mail threats. You know, people say the craziest things, and people have threatened to mail us a bomb or, you know, mail us something that's going to kill everybody. And so, I mean, usually... You say that like it's people, so, like, ah, it just happens okay. every day. It <laughs> 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 happens that's, a lot. That's disturbing. <laughs> I mean, usually, you know, you get you get a sense that people are crackpots, and I mean, who knows where they are, but we do take it seriously whenever there's a threat like that, and um, we file a report, and so we feel pretty good about our procedure for dealing with it, and it does ebb and flow, so there are times when we're riding high with no threats. <laughs> well, on that cheery note, um, I think we're... Good. Um, and can people donate to the FFRF? What can we do? Yeah, where can they learn about you guys? And, uh, yeah, pitch in if they want. Yeah, so FFRF.org is our website. Um, that's where you can read all about our organization, including all of our ongoing legal challenges. And that's where you can report a violation. So if you go to the legal tab, you can see report a state church violation, fill out the form, and that goes to my email box, and we can evaluate what's going on and maybe help you. This makes me want to go watch Inherit the Wind again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling very into it. Yes. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Thanks so much, Liz. Thanks for joining us, no Liz. No problem. It's great talking to you guys. Right, take care. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast for FriendlyAtheist.com. This episode was taped at Cinnamon Sound Studios in Aurora, Illinois, and the music was written and performed by Brad Chagdis. If you like what you're hearing, please consider making a contribution at Patreon.com slash Hemant. That's He-Man T. We appreciate your support. I'm Hemant Mehta. And I'm Jessica Blumke. We hope you'll join us next time.